Ready? Who's ready? 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome to the All 22 Podcast presented by FFD 260. I'm your host, Aton Mosia, joined here by my lovely co-host, Frank B. You can find my Thanks, hot, man. hot and spicy taste on Twitter, FFWonderKid. Frank, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at the FFL Wire. The FFL Wire, people. Make sure you follow. All right. Check so it let's out. Let's get right into this. So, uh, what'd you think about week one? It's It's been a long time for football, so I'm, I'm just happy to see all the games play out. I'm sad to, to see all the injuries happen, but I, I guess that's part of the game. I, I got a whole outlook on injuries. But yeah, week one is like fast and furious, man. I just sat down, took it all in, watched every possible highlight I could find. Tempted to hit the red zone channel, but I really wanted to watch a lot of the games start to finish. But oh my God, yeah, week one is insane. It's like, it's so overwhelming. You know, we go for so long without it. And then all at once, here it is. Boom, lay it out. You got so much going on, like you said, with injuries Oh, you name it. And it's just, it's insane. It's, it's so crazy how our brains can take in all that much in, in one, one sitting. Absolutely. Absolutely. What really kind of, kind of saddened me though, is I feel like, you know, we saw 16 games and only 30 teams actually played in those 16 games. I'm not sure what happened to, <laughs> <laughs> to Detroit. The, the other two stayed on the damn bus. <laughs> I'm telling you. We'll uh we'll have to go over those in just a minute. <clears throat> let's uh let's get into the the big news of uh what happened this past week one. So let's get right into the injury news. We had some uh some, some major major injuries, uh, some season enders. Unfortunately, it seems to always be the case, especially since uh they started to cut down what the teams were allowed to do in the off season. I feel like. Players are just going down left and right because it's really the first time with any contact. Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, I'm I'm a workout warrior, man. I'm in the gym. I love working out. I'm into it. I hit it like four or five times a week. I only give myself a day or two rest most of the time. And I think with like the athletes now versus 70s, 80s, even the 90s, these guys now do the team workouts with the teams. They got their strength and uh training coaches and conditioning. So they hit that through the year and your mini camp, like you said, but then when it's off season, they're going back to their hometown and they're doing their own workouts and those own workouts. We've seen videos of the crazy stuff they do and post on Twitter. They're hardcore, man. Those are some serious workouts. And when you put your body through that for a full 12 months, I mean, it just, it's wear and tear. You've got to give yourself a rest. When I take a break for, a, I mean, I'm not, an athlete by any means, but if I give myself a full week off or two weeks off, I am so fresh. When I come back, I can hit gains like crazy. So these guys, uh, to me, it's overtraining. And when you look at the other guys taking off, you know, eighties and nineties, they take off a whole damn summer drink, no working out, no weights, no football, no nothing. They come back and the mini camps were the two a days, um, you know, in the sun, full contact. So you got yourself in a good, football shape and that's I think that's a totally true thing it's I totally believe it 100 percent yeah yeah I mean it's a sad sight to see but it's part of the game I just I wonder if you know the whole intention was to 
to make sure that players really didn't experience injury as often as, as previously. And I think it might be having a, a backfire sort of effect, but, um, you know, to each their own. Yeah. So some big play. names too, man. Absolutely. I'm actually just about to get into them. Uh, let's get into some specifics. Uh, Greg Olson. Um, I feel like we've been here before. Deja vu. It's the same foot. He's refractured it. Uh, he already kind of dabbled with the idea of pulling a Jason Witten and kind of going up to the booth last season. I really can't imagine that that's not going to happen at the end of this season. I mean, this is a really, really serious injury. I, I don't think we'll see him again in the 2018 season. And I know he signed for two more years, but it's not out of the question that we might have seen the, the last down that Greg Olson actually plays. Yeah, I agree. I think he's done with foot injuries. I mean, the last one, he tried to come back, and that didn't work out too well. I mean, he wasn't – he's not going to be what he was. He's getting older. I think it's just like your your turf toe kind of stuff. I mean, no matter who you are, what kind of athlete you are, if it hits you, it's just all at once. And I think for him, the foot is all at once. It's It's too much for him to overcome. I mean – like you said, the same foot again, <laughs> you just, he's about ready to hit the booth. I, th- I think he'll be in the booth next year, maybe on Monday night football. I don't know. That'd be hopefully a little better hopefully. than <laughs> I think, uh, I think he might, uh, he might give Jason Witten a run for his money. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right though. I think Olsen, that's it, man. It sucks too. Cause I really liked him. Even when he came out, when the bears drafted him out of Miami, I liked the guy and he's a good tight end. I've had him quite a few times in fantasy leagues, so kind of sucks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's been uh, Mr. Consistent for, for years, years upon years. Uh, ever since he actually left uh, Chicago, he's just been one of the best options at the TE position year in, year out. And uh, just not having uh, the same ability to field a guy like that is really going to, I think it's going to have an effect. It's going to have a profound effect on, Cam Newton's season, even with all the other pass catchers that he has to uh, to choose from this year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. What what are you thinking on um, Goodwin Marquise Goodwin's uh, thigh quad injury from the Minnesota game? That kind of stunk. I couldn't believe that. I was count. I I got him in a league. I was counting on him. I think is this one you think he bounces back from, or how serious did they make it sound? You know what? I really don't know much about this injury uh, i heard that it's a quad injury and so my immediate assumption was oh, it's probably not that bad but i mean it generally is something structural if a player can't return to a game if it's not something like soreness or tightening up so i can only assume that it's a tear and if it's a tear that that could be a, a real long time until we see him come back and you know san francisco really isn't a team with with too many options at the wide receiver position outside of Marquise Goodwin. So it's going to be really interesting to see who kind of carries that mantle going forward. Yep. Yeah. They got Pierre Garcon and he had a tough, tough matchup against Xavier Rhodes. So I'm not surprised they didn't do much, but I think Goodwin's one, one to keep an eye on maybe this week, two and three to see how they, how that plays out coming back from a quad. I don't know. It's hard to tell the extent of the injury and teams are always hush hush with everything. They don't want to, spill the beans until they know for sure too so definitely definitely let's uh let's go over to dougie b in oh man uh that's tough he's already been dealing uh with an mcl i believe it was a sprain which isn't really a sprain anytime 
that uh, they report that it's a sprain, it's a tear. And uh, Pete Carroll, who I think might uh, just, you know, might have a nose that just continues to grow and grow and grow every time he speaks because he lies to the media so often, actually said that he is going to be out uh, anywhere from two to four weeks. And I really don't know if it's only going to affect him for two to four weeks. Uh, These types of things tend to stick out uh, over the course of the season. And uh, I think we might have seen the the best Doug Baldwin days, at least in Seattle, Jersey. Um, Tyler Lockett is uh, recently signed to a new contract. Uh, He actually has a $6 million cap hit next year. Doug Baldwin's cap hit is actually $13 million next year. And guess what his dead cap is? It's about half that next season's. Uh, Seattle, as Golden Tate will tell you, uh, doesn't generally pay uh, their wide receivers big-time bucks. So I don't know if we'll uh, see Doug Baldwin out uh, catching passes from Russell Wilson too much more after the season. Yeah, I Baldwin, when they announced during uh, before the season started about his knee, he dropped like crazy in drafts. So I was able to get him in one of my leagues. He fell And I'm like, I'm not going to pass it up. It's worth the shot, right? So I picked him, and now it's the other knee. So a couple weeks, and like you said, Pete Carroll, I'm not a fan either. Um, He'll never tell you anything straight. So if they're not going to put him on IR, how many weeks is it going to be? Three, five, two? I mean, you you have no idea. So he's just dead space on on my my roster now, so I'm going to cut him, but – it stinks, man. But Tyler Lockett, you're right. He does look good. He had a, he had a nice game in his place, and they also have Brandon Marshall, which I'm more a little wait and see on. But yeah, Lockett, I think, is the one to benefit the most without a Baldwin, and I don't think Baldwin comes back either this year. I think that's it. He's two knees. I think that's too much for, to overcome for a receiver, especially someone that's uh, already 29 years old with a lot of uh, wear and tear already on that body. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame too because I I liked him a lot. And the way he fell to me in the draft, it was like, oh, I got to take it. It's, it's too good a value that late. And I got him. So I'm out of receiver. I'll be hitting waiver Wednesday for sure this tomorrow. Oh, you're right. It was a screaming value. It was an absolutely screaming value. You sometimes falling to the fourth, fifth round for a receiver for the last three years. It's been in the, what, top 15 receivers? So uh, it's I, I'm yep. sure you're not the only person feeling the Doug Baldwin pain right now. Yeah, and then the Tennessee Titans. Oh man, they're they're not in a good way. Man, Mariota Tennessee, and Delaney. They 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 have a bunch of problems, and uh, yeah. injuries are only one of them. Uh, that offense needs help. They need, I don't know. They need angels in the outfield. That offense is gonna really really struggle this year, and not having their most consistent playmaker in. Delaney Walker is, I think that might be a, a, a death knell to that offense. Mm-hmm. Corey Davis, I think for fantasy purposes, your stock rising is definitely Johnu Smith, maybe Corey Davis, boomer bust. It, it's hard to say. You got Blaine Gabbert stepping in there now. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's not the worst, but he's not the best. <laughs> He's got to throw the ball down the field, right? Somebody's going to get those passes. And I, I would say, you know, Deion Lewis stands to benefit. Corey Davis, I'm going to keep an eye on. And Johnny Smith, I mean, he's he's filled in pretty decent for Delaney Walker in the past. He's in the system. He knows it. So I think 
those are some Titans. If you're, you know, if you got some Titans players on your roster, those would be the one to keep an eye on. But yeah, you're right. The offense is going to struggle. They, they've got to figure some, some kind of identity, you know, these next game or two here with, with Gabbert and see how Mariota comes back. You know, that's a really good point about bringing up uh, Johnny Smith. I was uh, doing some research earlier and uh, looking at his uh, player profiler comparison, uh, his most comparable player is Delaney Walker. So maybe the Titans knew something when they drafted him. Uh, Maybe they were kind of uh, just, you know, thinking that, you know, one day he would kind of take over that role and be able to provide the the same boost. But um, Delaney Walker is more than... Than, than, than strength more than brawn there's a lot in that head that i think uh will not be as easily replaced even if somebody uh, is physically comparable to him i think uh, his experience uh was really really helpful to that team marcus Mariota is a young quarterback Corey davis is a young wide receiver um they don't really have uh too much to uh to lean on when it comes to experience especially experience winning and uh Lenny Walker was kind of their heart and soul so not having him for this entire season it's going to be tough it's going to be tough yeah it's and, a big blow big blow <clears throat> moving on uh further uh, even more bad news for the Tennessee Titans uh Marcus Mariota like you mentioned Blaine Gabbard might get a start this week and that's bad uh Marcus Mariota has been a disappointment uh, for the past year or so, a couple of seasons ago, uh, I don't know if it was two or three seasons ago, I actually had him on my fantasy team, and he was an absolute monster. Uh, he was in the MVP conversation. And since then, it's like the, the floor has just fallen out from under him. And I don't know if this injury is going to help. I think this is just going to make things even more difficult for him moving forward. Yeah, the uh, the coach, Mike Vrabel, he didn't sound too optimistic either. You know, he kind of just still being evaluated by the team's staff and you know, the typical coach speak, but it doesn't sound good to me. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. Definitely. Definitely. I, I don't know if that team is going to want to pay Mariota what he's going to command on the market. Um, I believe he's in his fourth or, uh, or fifth season, um, meaning a new contract is, is coming up pretty soon. And honestly, if you're Titans GM, are you going to pay Marcus Mariota? Mm, that's a tough call. Tough call. And and you go back to that draft. It was Mariota, Winston, one and two, top two quarterbacks, and hindsight 2020. It's almost a wash. I mean, it's Winston's up, up and down just as Mariota's up and down, it seems like, you know? Definitely, definitely. It's, um, I mean, there was, it was so promising. Uh, we, we, we thought we had the future of the NFL in those two, and I don't know. It uh, seems like the, the train has been derailed a bit uh, when it comes to uh, that draft class, at least at the top. Uh, let's move uh-huh. on to Tampa Bay and Deshaun Jackson. Who knew? Who knew Deshaun Jackson was going to go off for two crazy touchdowns this week? <laughs> that's that's Jackson. That's what he does. If you're Deshaun Jackson, that's what you do. A couple just- monster games. Exactly. Exactly. You just, I mean, you catch two long bombs and, and that's it. That's the day complete. I feel like we saw this a few years back and, you know, I just, I didn't know that he had it anymore. He's, he's such a flasher. Like he's, he'll give you those big games and he'll disappear. You won't see him again for a while. And then (laughs) now he's, we're, we're talking concussion stuff with him again. So here we go again with the injury, you know, late, 
was it like late fourth quarter, he gets that pass and face first into the turf. It's like, oh man, I don't know. Once you go out in that concussion protocol, I mean, that's like the twilight zone, man. You're either you're done for a couple of days for sure, practices, and you're on that string of well, maybe he's come. He'll play next week. You never know up until game time if they clear him. But he's he's fragile. He's real. He he's a new era Terry Glenn. Every time he hits the field, you're just like, oh, oh, okay, all right, he's getting up. All right. <laughs> you just don't know. One one hit, he could be concussed, and that's the end of it. But man, yeah, he's. I don't know. He went. He went a little higher than I thought in some of my leagues, and I was kind of surprised that people still have that much faith in him. You know, to run him out as a one or two. But yeah, I think it's Chris Godwin time in Tampa Bay. I really do. It was definitely going to be Chris Rodman time in 2019, regardless of how the season went for Deshaun Jackson. If uh, these yeah. symptoms persist, we might see that a little bit sooner than anticipated. Yeah, I think Godwin's going to step in, and that, that might be the end of it, you know. Leonard Fournette. Um, we've been here before. Deja vu. Oh, yeah. Deja vu all over again. Lower body issues, lower body injuries are Leonard Fournette's bugaboo. And he can be the best running back in the league, in my opinion. But he can't stay healthy. And this is cliche. This is literally the most cliche statement I could think of at the time. But it implies the best ability is availability. And if you can't be available game in, game out, are you really worth a first round you know, draft pick? As, as Leonard Fournette was in pretty much everyone's draft this uh, this past offseason. Yeah, he's his style is so rough. I mean, he is he is just a beast. Like he's a great he's an aggressive runner. He runs a little high sometimes. He's he's just rough. He's like the say on the other side of the field. The safeties that hit hard, you know, what I mean, they tend to not last unless they're you know, Palomalu or Ed Reed type guys, but those hard hitters, they don't last. And Fournette, he's just, he's such a big, big guy. The way his running style is, his injury history, I think it's just always going to be a constant, you know, bug with him year in and year out. You're going to get a string of games. You're going to have one or two off. You're going to get a string of games. You're going to get an injury. You know, maybe it's a, a big one. Like you said, maybe it's, it's just a nagging injury that he's got to sit out a couple games. It, it's a headache in the fantasy world. Um, but yeah, for the Jags, that's a number one pick right there. So they, they've got some decisions to make too coming up, you know, next couple of years. Is this a guy you want to keep, get repay, let him go? TJ Yeldon filled in quite nicely behind him. Um, I mean, he it, it's his game every time Fournette gets hurt, so. Definitely. Um, last season, uh, the Jaguars actually paced the league in rushing. Leonard Fournette obviously played a big role in that, but he only played 13 games last season. And uh, I think it's fairly um, it's reasonable to assume that he's he's not going to play a full 16 again this season. Um, I don't trust Blake Bortles. I think we've already seen what we need to see about Blake Bortles. Uh, he's yeah. not going to be a quarterback that can win you games. I think he can, uh, under the right tutelage, uh, be a quarterback to not lose you games, um, but I don't foresee him uh, really leading an offense uh, deep into the playoffs. So if we're going to have injuries with Leonard Fournette game in, game out, 
I mean, unless the defense starts scoring points at the rate that the offense is, are the Jaguars going to be what we saw from the Jaguars last season? Yeah, the defense is going to carry them so far, and they're going to have to make some choices on quarterback here, you know, at this next draft or free agency, one or the other. They're going to have to do something if they want to get over the hump because they it's like they got the defense ready. That window is going to close if they don't do something here, you know, and that would be a shame. I, yeah, I would I would think it's a shame if they miss out because, I mean, I'm not a Jags fan or Homer or anything, but just the team overall, I mean, they get so close. They sucked for so long. They're finally back, and they're back with a defense. I'm a fan of defense, um, so you can't help but get excited for them. I, I'd hope they do something, and we'll we'll see. I'm, I'm, it's a team I keep my eye on every year in the draft just to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, had they drafted or had they even signed a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, I would say they're yeah. not a football contender, but – um but they seem to be committed to, to Blake the Snake. It's Khan's boy. Khan loves him. Guess so. Guess so. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy Hill. Um, I know he probably wasn't uh, starting on very many rosters, um, but it's still sad to see a player with, uh, with such a great opportunity uh, really not get a chance to display uh, their skill. Jeremy Hill out to... Uh, the entire season with the torn ACL, and um, this might have been his last real chance to to show he still had juice. I mean, he's only 25 years old, which is crazy. Uh, just a few years ago, he was touted as basically what Joe Mixon is now. He was oh yeah to be that RB one. He was supposed to be that franchise RB, and uh, he's he's fallen pretty far. And I think this latest setback might be. Might be career-threatening. Yeah, I was watching for him to stand out in that Patriots backfield. He had a good preseason. I thought he looked pretty good. And I was kind of had my eye on him to see if he was going to stand out and separate himself from everybody else in that Patriots backfield. But seeing him go, it's like, gee, that's just another guy on the injury pile. I don't know how they're going to rebound. I think James White's the undervalued back that they have. They they use him as their third down pass catching back and that's great and all they're gonna work Sony Michelle in um, and Burkhead I'm not sure how I feel on Burkhead with his partial tear you know leg knee issue so Hill had the perfect opportunity in that offense and now it's like you said young guy 25 that that really stinks that really stinks it does it does it's uh it's sad to see him go. So, um, the big man himself, the Cheesehead, Mr. Cheesehead, Aaron Rodgers. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers is better than you, better than me, and better than everyone else in the world at playing the quarterback position on one leg. Yeah, it's a fact. It's the second time he's done it on one leg, too, which is insane. The guy is, he just went full MJ that second half of that game. That was nuts. But his his leg, the problem with Green Bay is they – Around here, they call them Red China because you don't get any information. They're freaking communists. You get nothing, nothing. They got all these reporters. It's not to the Bill Belichick degree, but they will not give you the answers when it comes to injury. So right now, it's we're evaluating them. We're going to see they're going to get Kaiser ready. Um, but their presser, they 
they slipped up a little bit and said they can't he can't do any more damage to the knee that's already done which means you know there's something else going on is it the tear what is it the pcl or which one you can still play on i get i get all my pcl mcl acls mixed up aarps whatever they are um <laughs> I, it's the one that you can play on so he's not going to be as mobile two years ago he did the same thing with the calf i don't know, you remember that one with the calf injury I do. he got rolled up on and then it was the golden calf we were watching him every week was <laughs> what was, was going to happen with that and it was the same type of injury you can play on it you're not going to make it worse and he was still good with half a leg for the you know the last few games of that season i think he can handle it but man he's got to turn around and face a vikings defense that is way more physical than that bears one was and this offensive line for green bay is not physical in your face run mauler Guys, they're finesse pass blockers. So Rodgers, if he plays, he's got a very high probability of getting hit and getting knocked out again. I don't want to see it. I really hope I really hope they don't play him. I don't know. I think it's it's worth a, a rest for him, but but then who do you put in? You got Deshaun Kaiser. They say he's ready. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. He just, he, uh, he he gave us a hoot. <laughs> 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 you know, everybody saw that play on Twitter. <clears throat> Where uh, he, uh, he he handed the ball off and, and tried to do a fake pass and it looked more like a Street Fighter move. That was literally the funniest thing that I saw. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was in tears for that. Yeah. I mean, Rogers' knee, though, if, if he can't do any more damage to it, I, he's going to play on it. The guy's insane. So it, the team is going to have to tell him otherwise. And the team does not dictate to Aaron Rodgers in this town. Aaron Rodgers dictates to the team. So I think he's going to go out and play on it. I'd like to see him sit just for a game, just air, you know, on the side of safety for him. But if he goes out and gets hurt, I'm really going to be upset. They just paid him. I am a homer for $134 million. Are you really? I know. $134 million for two regular season games. That's what I mean. I I think old Gutekunst has got to pull him in the office and go, look, Aaron, we love you, man. We got the money in you, but you got to sit this game. You got to sit one game, at least one. Just see what's going on. Let it give it some time to to heal. But we'll see what happens, man. But like I said, it's Green Bay. It's Red China. You're not gonna find out until like probably Saturday. I bet Friday. I'd be surprised, but you you won't hear anything till late. And I can see why, because if you're playing Kaiser, you basically just have to account for. Jamal Williams with the run. Uh, if you're playing Aaron Rodgers, then obviously everything's in play. It's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, this Green Bay series unfolds. I am going to play the uh, the role of devil's advocate. Is it time to call Aaron Rodgers injury prone? Almost. Uh, I mean, I've re- we've seen this a few times with collarbones, with like you said, the calf, um, with <clears throat> uh, whatever uh, leg injury it is this time. That team is built about around one man. I don't know if they can continue to uh, field a team that that really just has an identity in, in one person and, and expect to actually get results. Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, is the most talented quarterback in the league and has been for a while. And he will probably go down as one of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. He has one Super Bowl. Something's wrong with that. Oh yeah, it's a shame. It it is because the Green Bay is has got 
the Ferrari. They love the Ferrari. They love it. But you know what they do? They roll it on down to Sicko and they fill it up with lawnmower gas. <laughs> They've got to build the offensive line. They ignore it. Now, Bakhtiari's out of Colorado. He's probably one of the best line, you know, linemen they picked up in a long time. But these little Don Barclays that were out of West Virginia, um, these tweener guys, Ted Thompson did the team no favors by ignoring the offensive line. I know they got Corey Lindsley, Ohio State. He's been solid. They had TJ Lang, but they let him go to Detroit. Um, they, I, It's like the the focus and the attention is not on the offensive line. You can tell from their draft the past three years, it's been defense, corners, linebackers, and tweeners. Without Ted Thompson in the picture now, I hope that more attention is going to shift to that offensive line because I'm a firm believer that you build the team in the trenches. The trenches dictate time for the quarterback to pass. The defensive trenches dictate pass rush. So that's where the focus needs to go in Green Bay, especially when you've got the best quarterback. You've got to help him out. You need high draft picks out of stud linemen, you know, out of bigger schools, Big Ten, whatever. Just some kind of philosophy change with that. I, I've been waiting years for it. Hopefully, uh, without Thompson, Gutekunst will be the guy to to finally do it. We shall see. We shall see. Let's um. Let's actually talk about the game that uh, Rodgers played in uh, this past yeah. weekend. <clears throat> the miracle, the miracle comeback. Quotes, air quotes <laughs> everywhere in Green Bay. Wow. So many angry feels about this game. I'm not even going to say anything until you get your take. <laughs> you know, angry feels like for the for the Packers or the Bears or just overall. Just overall, I just as a coach, you. Your job is to win games. Your job is to put your players in positions to win. Your job is to make sure that you run the numbers before the game and use those numbers during the game to determine what actually makes sense in a given situation. Again, I can't. I'm just going to get angry. (laughs) Just (laughs) figure out what you need to say about this game before I come with some hot fire for Matt Nagy. Well, okay. Well, you are completely right. You, it's the coach's job to put these players in the best position, but it's up to the players to execute that plan. The coaches are not on the field. This game hinged on two halves, and the second half, yes, the Bears lost that game. They had, they gave up. They saw that lead. They went to half. They're like, hey, we just knocked Rodgers out of the game. They got Kaiser in there, who's a joke. We're going to kill his ass. They, they thought they had that game out the door, roll out the helmets, we're going home. Now, the first half of that game, Aaron Rodgers came out and did what he did the other year. I think it was two years ago when he was, remember when he started out weeks one through five, I think it was five, and he looked horrible. Nobody, he couldn't complete crap, it was that no accuracy. Line. And then he did the relax. Remember, relax, we're yeah, good. Yeah. What he did in that time was every time that ball was snapped, he was looking for the home run ball. He would ignore his reads and he would not, he's honed in on, you know, once the guy gets deep, that's where I'm throwing it. He'd hold the ball too long. And what he, I think he had five completions in the first half because he wanted the home run ball every time, but you can't hold the ball that long with Khalil Mack and company rushing you, you know, on the Packers line. So what the second half, when he came back, if you noticed it was short, quick ball out passes, he went through his progressions, and that was the difference maker because 
He had to compensate for his leg. He can't, you know, he don't want to get hurt, obviously. He's not as mobile, so he's got no choice but to sit there and read his progressions, one, two, three, ball out. And that was why all of a sudden, boom, it just turned on. And you could, the receivers did the rest. Randall Cobb, obviously, with the run after catch. Um, Devontae Adams squeezing into the end zone. But that Geronimo Allison pass, that was pinpoint insane stuff. And I know everybody runs the tape, you know, the replays and highlights of that. And it's, it's a wow, but in camp, he does that all the time. It is insane. I've never seen a quarterback that accurate in my life. And there, there's other older video where he throws the ball, like 50 yards into a little net. It's crazy. But for him That's to drop that in Allison's watch. hands. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's just the best, honestly. Tom Brady is the most acclaimed quarterback. I will give Tom Brady that. Tom Brady is an excellent quarterback. Tom Brady is always on schedule. Tom Brady can diagnose the hell out of defenses. Oh, Tom yeah. Hold a candle to Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. I don't care who what anyone says about that conversation. It's not close. You put Aaron Rodgers in that system, Aaron Rodgers will throw 10,000 yards a season. It's not even a contest. And the fact, again that to date he still has one Super Bowl to show for all that greatness, I think reflects really, really poorly on management in Green Bay. Oh, it does. And and it's even worse when you say it like this. From 1992 to 2018, the Packers have two Super Bowls and one Super Bowl loss, and the quarterbacks were Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. That just <laughs> is mind-boggling. <laughs> mind-boggling. Oh, Absolutely mind-boggling. So uh, imagine how um, how John Gruden felt watching that game. I mean, you know, Khalil Mack's not worth the money, right? Right. <laughs> we don't need him. He didn't want to be here. He didn't want to be here. So what are you going to do? <laughs> With what? He had an interception return for a touchdown. I think he had two sacks. Oh, my God. He had one-man wrecking crew. And this is basically him coming off the street. He didn't even go through a training camp. The man nope. didn't even go through a training camp this offseason and came in and dominated like that. So uh, I think uh, I think John Gruden might have some some feelings about this game as well. But now, now we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears. And we're going to talk about Steven. Okay, so you are playing your arch rival. You're playing your arch rival on the road in prime time. They happen to have a man named Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. I don't care how injured he is. He is still taking snaps for them. He's still going to be tossing the ball. Two minutes and 47 seconds left. It's a fourth and one, or it's a third and one, I believe. Number one, you elect a pass. I'm sorry. I just want to remind the world, first and foremost, the fallacy of GMs actually knowing what the fuck they're doing when it comes to picking QBs. Mitch Trubisky was picked before Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes. Just remember that. He was picked way before both of those. Not only was he picked before both of those guys, they traded to get him. They traded up to get Mitch Trubisky. I'm just going to put that out there. I can't even go into that right now. What I'm (laughs) is in that situation... All right, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. It doesn't take a head coach. It takes a casual fan who has seen Aaron Rodgers come back time after time after time after time 
after time again to realize that, hey, in this situation, six points does mean no good because he can still win with a touchdown. In that situation, what you do is one of two things. You either run the ball, try to pick up that yard, or you run the ball and run the clock down to the two-minute warning so at least he doesn't have an extra timeout to then go back down and, and win for you. You kick that field goal, you're basically telling everybody on your team, I don't believe in you. I don't believe that you guys have the ability to go out and win this game. You gave Aaron Rodgers an opportunity to come back on you. You gave him two minutes and 47 seconds and kicked a field goal already up three, knowing that he now has to go for the touchdown. Had they even missed the field goal or had they run until more time passed and they actually didn't end up, they they turned the ball over on downs maybe with a minute or a minute and a half remaining, that's a better situation because at least at that point, Aaron only has to go down the field and set his team up for a field goal. But you literally put an animal in a corner and and you were like, you, you didn't understand that he would bite. I just, I don't, it's mind boggling. I I don't understand how you make that decision as a coach. I don't know. They're going to, they're going to go to the tape on that one. And the thing is like going back to that third and one too, the Packers were rolling out nickel coverage and getting gashed on the run. So the bears could have ran or even just, I mean, you watch this week with Dalvin cook, he's going to gash some runs against that defense big time. So yeah, it's coaching is mind boggling. I I cannot, I, I imagine how crazy it would be in the moment, but yeah, it's, it's insane. That is insane. It's, it's nuts. It's nuts, man. I just, I mean, I have no proof of this. Obviously I don't have the video recording and timestamp saying with me saying at the time I was actually watching the game with my dad saying that's stupid. You just lost the game, but I did the moment (laughs) decided to call that pass play. I looked at my dad and I said, the Chicago Bears just lost this game. And, and 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 lo and behold, I was right. I mean, it, it's not hard to see. If you're if you're playing Tom Brady, if you're playing Aaron Rodgers, if you're playing Matthew Stafford, if you're playing these guys that just have shown you time and time again that they can come back, you put your foot on the throat and you keep it there. You don't remove it because if you do, they will take that opportunity. They will capitalize on every mistake, and the Green Bay Packers did. Yep, and just like your third one, Super Bowl, Seattle, and New England, you're passing? Really? <laughs> third one. Man I, up. I get the I yard. I can't tell you what these coaches are doing, man. I just I can't yeah. do it. Anyway, before oh, I yeah. uh, bust the blood vessel here, let's, let's go on to the next uh, game. <laughs> Jump to the next one. <laughs> Case Keenum, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Yeah. I'm a Bronco fan, so that's an improvement for me (laughs) 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 for what I've seen for the last few years. So I honestly, I can't crush Case Keenum. I just, I don't know if the Broncos need to be a team that's going to air it out. We saw Phillip Lindsay run ragged over that Seattle defense. We saw Royce Freeman get 71 yards on 15 touches 
trying to run through dudes, trying to do his best Marshawn Lynch impression. I, I don't know if that's a situation where you really need to air the ball out. Now, granted, he, he did throw for three touchdowns. I will give him that. And they won the game, which, again, as a Bronco fan, is an improvement. <laughs> but it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not convinced. I haven't been convinced about Case Keenum. He does hold a college uh, passing record, but I don't know if one season makes you good. Yeah, I think the like you said, the run game, um, the that's gonna have to be the Broncos' identity. They can't have Keenum trying to sling it all over the field. I mean, it's basically gonna have to be Vikings offense 2.0 transferred to Denver with Thomas, um, Sutton, and Sanders. But they got to get that run game established, and just ask Keenum to give me the short to intermediate stuff, take a couple shots and that's it. He can't be throwing it all over the field like that. I mean, he's, that's just not him. That's not his style. And three interceptions, you know, I think a little of that too is the Seahawks pretty much get written off and left for dead. I think they wanted to make some kind of a statement in that game too, to say, Hey, we're not, we may suck, but we're not that bad. (laughs) The Legion of boom is no more, but they, you know, they all play, they're all lining up each team. I mean, any given Sunday is is completely true and the parody in the NFL is absolutely insane so as much as we like to write off these teams and leave them for dead sometimes they turn it around or they give you that upset and go damn and three interceptions I I wouldn't have thought if you told me Seahawks are getting three picks going into that game I'd have said no way well I mean I I knew Earl Earl Thomas was getting one of them I I I saw that before before anything, because Earl Thomas is just mad at the world right now. I mean, yeah. they didn't sign him to a contract extension. All his buddies are gone. He's the last man standing. Everybody is telling him his team sucks. He was going to come in. He was going to have a good game, and he did. You know what? As a Bronco fan, still, I was I was still happy for Earl Thomas. But um, the, the Seahawks, it's – imagine being Russell Wilson. Imagine having every good player <laughs> stripped away from your team and still be expected to be great and still be expected to lead your team to 10 wins year in, year out. I mean, what do you expect the guy to do? He has a way past his prime, Brandon Marshall, now installed as his what? Number one, number two wide receiver? Tyler Lockett, he's a nice player, but I mean, he's not scaring anyone really, is he? At least not in my opinion. No, nope, yeah, the team is on, on his team. shoulders. Exactly. The only person on that team that anyone, anyone is going to have to game plan for is Russell Wilson. I think they're putting him in a really, really terrible position this year. Yeah, I agree completely. Completely. So um, we think Seattle's a little bit uh, better than, than uh, maybe they've been said to be in the media, but uh, what is Dallas? Yeah, are they dead? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that That's a drop-off. I mean, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott on top of the world, sky's the limit, man. And now it's like, what What am I watching here? Is this the Cowboys? They, they can't be that bad, are they? That's crazy. That team just uh, – they – that team lacks for play callers, uh, honestly. I don't even know if it's a talent situation at this point. <clears throat> I posted a stat the other day 
showing how similar the first two seasons of uh, Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson have been. Uh, again, if you follow me at uh, <clears throat> FF underscore WonderKid, you can see that tweet. I don't think Dak Prescott's a bad quarterback. I think everyone's giving him a bad rap right now because he's in a bad system. Because uh, they're playing a vanilla offense. They're running when the defense is expecting a run. They're passing when the defense is expecting a pass. And they're just not really putting their offensive pieces in positions to do anything to surprise the defense. Uh, they really haven't needed to before. They had an offensive line that could bully people. And now that that offensive line is experiencing some injuries, uh, I think we're really starting to see that uh, Dallas coaching staff exposed. Yeah, he's got to get. They got to get more creative on play calling. I mean, he's he. They got to mix it up. They got to do something like you said. It's too predictable. I think people are figuring it out with Dak. Um, and then weapons. I mean, Brian does. Bryant's gone. He's got Alan Hearns in there. They've got Gallup. Still got good old Cole Beasley. But you got to get creative. You got to change some stuff up. It it just seems like it's too too predictable. Absolutely. What about the the Carolina Panthers? What's your take on them? Without Greg Olson, like we were saying earlier, I think the offense changes is, you know, more of those targets are going to go to Funchess, DJ Moore, McCaffrey already is involved, as we know. But I'm interested to see how that plays out without Olson again, because last year without it, Funchess had a pretty decent season. I mean, he was basically the default number one guy, but now they've got Torrey Smith in there. Um, I don't follow Carolina that close, to be honest with you. I see them. I see all the highlights and whatnot and and follow the, the news of the team. But overall, just they're kind of in the same situation they were last year without Olsen, but at least they've got Torrey Smith. He's not a world beater, but he's a speedster, and it gives them a little more speed on offense. So maybe some deep shots and one-on-ones he could exploit or even out of the slot. I think he's a mismatch for some defenses. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out without Olsen again. But man, it's such a big blow because with Olsen, it kind of balanced everything out. You had a tight end threat. You had respectable receivers outside. I mean, plus McCaffrey, CJ Anderson, you're just taking another weapon away from Cam Newton. So he's going to have to, similar to Russell Wilson, it's got to go on his shoulders. He'll scramble out. He'll give you yards with his legs but you, you can't put it all on him either too you know exactly i think he's just gonna run more i think he's just gonna run rampant uh, yeah usually averages about 600 yards uh per season on the ground i i could see eight nine hundred from him um i i really expect to see uh cam newton kind of trying to put that team on his back and you know what i think he has the capability to do it um <clears throat> now whether or not that's gonna work um in a playoff situation or in a high pressure situation i don't know um, I think they, they might struggle uh, not having Greg Olson's experience, not having uh, that connection between Cam and Olson. Um, but I do like uh, the guy that they do have to replace him, Ian Thomas, uh, that they got uh, this past offseason that they drafted. Um, I think he is a, a, a good receiver. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily where you want him to be in terms of his blocking acumen as a tight end, but... Um, but they usually send out their, their tight ends to run routes anyway. So I think that uh, they, 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 they still have pieces to potentially uh, kind of paper over uh, the loss of, 
of Greg Olson, but um, I don't know if I'm expecting fireworks out of this team this year. Yeah, I, I can't see it. it. I can't see it. So, all day returns. I thought AP was dead. Apparently, I was. Wrong. I did. <laughs> I thought I went to a funeral at some point for him. Apparently, I was really, really wrong. And you know what? We should have seen this coming. I loved Darius Geis uh, this year as a pick. I thought he was going to uh, just run over the league, and I thought it had very little to do with him, although I do think he is a very, very good player and probably uh, the best prospect outside of Saquon Barkley in this draft class. That Washington O-line is something else. You thought the Cowboys O-line was good? Washington puts them to shame. Last year, they dealt with all kinds of injuries. This year, they're healthy, and we see what a healthy Washington O-line can do. I don't even think they need receivers. They shouldn't even try out receivers. They should just try to get some more O-linemen on the field when they're running with AP. Yeah. Uh, they're good. That's uh, Gruden's new toy, you know? And I'm interested to see, are they going to run him into the ground? They're going to have to conserve him if they want to make it through this whole season. So they can't go heavy on him early or he ain't going to last. So you've got kind of a committee going on out there too, Chris Thompson and fat Rob. So I think they're going to have to spread it around just to conserve him because yeah, if they want to get in the playoffs. They haven't sniffed playoffs. They need every ounce of that run game they can get. So I think, I think he's here to stay as long as he's sprinkled in and he's not the bell cow. Gruden has got to stay disciplined and not just run him into the ground. That's that's actually exactly where I was going to go to. Um, I think he, he really needs to, to get creative with how he spells AP. I think he's still going to have to uh, put in Fat Rob from time to time. He's going to have to mix in some yeah. Ryan. He's going to have to get creative with uh, making sure that neither Chris Thompson or AP is overworked because we've seen Chris Thompson go down to injury too. Um, and he, along with Jordan Reed, might be their best weapon. So that yep. team is pretty much predicated on health. If Thompson stays healthy, if AP stays healthy, if Chris Thompson stays healthy, then I think they can make some noise. But if any of those guys go down, Alex Smith isn't the guy to really improve the receivers around him. He's got to have some talent around him. And if he doesn't have those three guys, if he doesn't have guys that he can expect to pretty much win, uh, their matchups every time, I think he's going to struggle. Yeah, definitely. And it's a tough division with Eagles and Giants. I don't think the Giants will be as bad as they were last year, but they've, I mean, it's a tough division no matter what the records are. So uh, they got their work cut out for them. Patrick Mahomes, as uh, the Podfather would say. I've been on Patrick Mahomes since last season. Uh, I actually drafted him uh, in the fourth round, <laughs> in the fourth round of my draft last season. Uh, I expected him to be good, and I expected him to be good because he was a mobile quarterback uh, that just has an absolute howitzer for an arm. And in this situation, he also has the fastest guy in the league. I think that's a good combination. I think we saw oh, it fight out. I think all those yes. that were disparaging Tyreek Hill 
need to shut the hell up because they obviously just weren't watching last year. Yeah, I I like Mahomes. I was just more wait and see. I don't know what what to expect if this week one is on any evidence. He is going to be insane. He, he he could be the you know the quarterback of the year. I mean, holy crap, that was insane. Tyreek Hill with what forty two points or something or thir- high thirties, depending on the scoring of your league. But monster, monster game. There's no one as fast as him. There's no one half as fast as him. Like it's not. It's not like he's Manigan's boy's speed. It's like every single time he touches the ball, you half expect him to, to, to get a touchdown out of it. And honestly, the touchdown's the only thing that would stop him. If there was no touchdown to stop him, he would just keep running. <laughs> I mean, the guy is so goddamn fast. And not only is he fast, Tyreek Hill isn't your normal nine-root receiver. I've heard a lot of disparaging remarks about Tyreek Hill and being a one-trick pony that only relies on his speed. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Tyreek Hill, athletically, is most physically comparable to Steve Smith. What do you think of when you think of Steve Smith? You think Love Steve gritty... Smith. Exactly. You think of a gritty receiver that catches contested balls. Tyreek Hill does that, and he showed that, and he's shown that this year. Uh, so I think Tyreek Hill has legitimate top five, maybe even top three receiver potential. Maybe I'm I'm going overboard a little bit too much. But I think he's going to be a dude this year. And again, in agreement with you, I think Patrick Mahomes, he has a chance to be an MVP of this league one day. Yeah. Uh, Phillip Rivers has shown that uh, he's also, you know, Phillip Rivers. He's just going to go out there. He's going to chuck it for... 300 plus yards, he's going to call it a day. He's going to do that every single week because that's what Philip Rivers do- is, does. Uh, I believe he'll throw a couple last... picks too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to have <laughs> He always does. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about Philip Rivers. It doesn't matter. He's, a, he's always good for one or two, it seems like, you know. He is. He is. He's good for. He's good for four touchdowns, two picks, and 300 yards. Pretty much game in, game out. That's what you can expect from Philip Rivers. Um, yep. I was actually just looking at stats recently. I believe – I hope I don't get my years mixed up here. But I believe since 1960, Philip Rivers has 57 300-yard games. Guess where that puts him in the all-time ranking? <sighs> Top 10? Number 6. He's number Jeez. His ADP this past offseason was QB 14. So uh, I think some people made some mistakes. I think mistakes were made with Phillip Rivers. Yeah, he he dropped big time this year. Nobody liked him. He no love, no love. I I think it's because towards the end of the season, every season, he's got a couple games where he throws three interceptions or just a game that you you look at him and you're like, damn, he looks awesome awful and then you end that season won that mindset and bias and then you look at him in a player ranking and you go ah screw rivers <laughs> he's no good and you drop him way down because that's that's the only thing i can see on him i'm not afraid to take him i took him in one of my leagues he, he's good for 18 to 25 points a game you know he's always like you said it's always 300 and some yards couple touchdowns. He'll give you the pick if you got, depending on your scoring settings for interceptions. Um, 
he's solid. He's solid. So, Baekwon Sarkley. First Jacksonville <laughs> in his first NFL game. Over How about that run? A touchdown. I mean, what is there to say about Saquon at this point? Jeez. He's a real deal, man. Real deal. He is. The NFC is on notice. I mean, look, the Sam Darnold looked good, and we're going to talk about him in a few minutes here. Can you really fault the Giants for picking a running back over Sam Darnold? You think Saquon is going to make that decision worthwhile, ultimately? Oh, yeah. They knew it there. I mean, they figure they can buy another year out of Eli, year or two if they need it, get this back under the you know, under control, get the run game established and set that up for their next quarterback, you know, that they draft to put him in a prime situation with a good line, good running back, good run game. I think they're, the giants are setting themselves up, you know, for the next couple of years, I think with that pick and everybody said, no, don't draft. You don't need a running back that high. And, but for Barkley, that's, they don't come around every year like that. So I, I don't blame him. I would have picked him. That's definitely, it's a, no brainer to me. Those guys don't grow on trees. I mean, I nope. understand, and the analytics community uh, has proven mathematically that running backs are less valuable than you know position X, position B. But I mean, ultimately, if you can just have a guy to allow Eli to not have to really shoulder the load game in game out, I think you've really, really helped your team. And I think uh, Saquon Barkley is just one of those guys that all it takes is one. He's a home run hitter, and you know yeah. sometimes that is seen as a bad thing. But you know Jamal Charles made a career out of that. Big time, big time. Versus Jacksonville as well. So that that was crazily impressive for me. Um, so uh, a Ryan Fitzpatrick sighting. He's the Fitz Magic man. <laughs> He is. He is. We see it one, two times every season. He'll then probably end up winning the starting role for this team. He'll be signed to a big contract in the offseason. He'll come back next year. He'll suck. He'll get cut. He'll go to a new team and just repeat the process over and over and over again. If Yeah, has he made a career out of this NFL thing or what? <laughs> Man... Hey, but you know what? It's we're gonna have a good old fashioned quarterback controversy. We haven't had one of them in a long time. You know how real do you think that is? Because you know I didn't believe it. I heard the coaches say, "Oh, you know, Jameis hasn't necessarily uh, won his his job. He may not be the starting quarterback after he comes back from suspension." I thought it was bull. I don't know. I did. I know I did too. But you know what? After I thought about it. I mean, try to think back to the last solid quarterback controversy. I mean, the only one that stands out in my mind was way back on the bills with that Rob Johnson and Flutie was one for a while. Um, Oh my God, there's, there's always good, but the one constant to a quarterback controversy is the media feeding the fire. So they're sitting up there with the bucks coach asking them, what about what's, what if Fitzpatrick and the sports talk media locally, nationally, and Fitzpatrick, if he hits these three games in a row, uh, you, that's a pretty tough 
call the coach has got to make. What's he, what does he do? Does he appease the, the team and say, Hey, I mean, you could divide the locker room like that. It, I mean, you know, it, you can't it goes mention- a long way. You got a, You got a guy that's won you three games and then you're going to say, well, nope. Winston's our guy. It's his spot. It's his when he comes back and then Winston starts slow or is a little rusty or what have you, that whole locker room could be divided. You could have a, a mess, but with the quarterback, I mean, now it's, well, who is it his job? Do we keep him? ride the hot hand? It's I, I, I'm not a big bucks fan, but I think it's, it's going to be real interesting to see how it plays out. Fitzpatrick. I mean, that guy is like, he's every starting QB's dagger almost, you know, <laughs> he damn near takes over every job after somehow he crawls and scratches his way in. And next thing you know, it's Fitzpatrick show. It's crazy. It, it happens every year. I mean, it's like clockwork. We just, we, we should yeah. at this point. I don't know why we don't. But um, <laughs> I'm sure he was like what less than ten percent started, if that. And uh, I mean, I feel like everybody learns this lesson <laughs> every year and and never actually retains it. <clears throat> Too much. New Orleans. Uh, if you want to win a fantasy league this year, I suggest you invest in the New Orleans Saints. That's really all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's Michael Thomas, whether it's Breeze, whether it's Super Camario, these guys just know offense. Sean Payton just knows what the heck he's doing when it comes to offense. Now, he knows nothing about defense, and we've seen that for years. Unless they have a good defensive coordinator issues. They will have problems even with Marcus Lattimore who by the way got scorched for over 100 yards on f- the four targets that Mike Evans got when he was matched up against Marcus Lattimore but man they are That's going scary. to put up the points on you. Yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that I got Mike Thomas in one of my leagues but the Saints, I mean, I don't think I'm too worried because they always start slow. They lost, they dropped the Vikings game last year in the opener and they looked horrible. They looked just as bad in that game. It was like, oh boy, Saints are done. And they turned it around. I think they'll turn it around when they open up against a division opponent. They know each other better than anybody. But like you said, Lattimore, I was really surprised to see him get beat as bad as he did. He had, he had a terrible game. I couldn't believe he played that bad. I, I think they'll bounce back. But yeah, you're right. Everybody on that Saints offense is a weapon. If you got them in your fantasy league, roll them out every week. No doubt. No doubt are they going to score you some points. Matchup proof. I mean, complete and total matchup proof. It doesn't matter who they're playing. And as a, as a guy who still believes in Mike Evans, I'm, I'm really happy he got to shut up his haters uh, this past yeah. Sunday. So... Um, everyone always talks about the dangers of small sample sizes. Last year, I believe Deshaun Watson started four games. And in those four games, he was actually on pace to be the best quarterback the world has ever seen. Oh, boy. still feel that way. Not after week one. I don't think there's too many people (laughs) saying that right now. I mean... Uh, it's it's tough. Uh, 
obviously, it's Bill Belichick. You would expect, you know, him to devise a defensive game plan, even without. I'm not even going to say the name because <laughs> <laughs> I have some Detroit Lions fans here. But even without his defensive coordinator, um, he he stopped. He stopped everything Deshaun Watson does. And this was the problem with Deshaun Watson. Last season, everybody saw the box scores. Everybody saw the points and went nuts over Watson. But here's the thing. He holds the ball for an eternity and just throws it up deep. And you know what? He happened to have D-Hop, who is probably the most talented receiver in the league, and one of the fastest guys in the league, and Will Fuller. And if he has those guys... And those guys can consistently get open against coverages that maybe are not quite sure what to do with what was a rookie quarterback without much tape on him last year. Well, you can see what happens. But I, I had a sinking feeling, and this is obviously another small sample size in one game, week one this year, but I don't know if Deshaun Watson is nearly as good as people thought he was. Yeah, that was my big thing because – I, and I said it, I think we were talking about it on the last podcast. Now that there's tape of Watson and these coaches have filmed to break him down, there's nobody better in doing that than Bill Belichick. So everybody knows he schemes and game plans to take your best player out of the picture. I would have went to Hop. They did take Hopkins out, but the focus, you could tell they took all of Watson's looks away from him. He has got to bounce back against Tennessee, division rival to show me that he's got something. I don't think he's awful. I mean, he's, I think he's a good quarterback, but like you said, he's, he's scrambling around. He's taking shots downfield. He's got to sit, go through his reads, just like I was saying with Rogers, go through his progressions, ball out and see, I think he's pretty accurate. I don't think he's horrible. Like some of the guys, you know, it's either one extreme or the other. I think he's pretty balanced, but Bill O'Brien's got to set him up in an offense where he can, take a couple shots he can scramble when he needs to he can check it down get the run game going but what he does in the next two or three games is gonna is gonna either get me on board with him or say ah, i'll pass <laughs> it's it's what he's what he's gonna do in these next couple of weeks for me because yeah he's got the titans coming up for week two and then where is him here the giants they host the giants so I mean, he's he'll have some opportunity there. New England looks good. I mean, New England looks like New England. I think as long as Rob Gronkowski is playing, uh, New England is New England. As yes. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski are playing. Um, interesting stats. Uh, <clears throat> Tom Brady, with and without Gronk, with Gronk, Tom Brady. Gronk splits. Exactly, Gronk splits. With Gronk. <laughs> Tom Brady, 65% completions. Without Gronk, Tom Brady, 60.2. With Gronk, Tom Brady, 225 yards a game. Without Gronk, 100, I think, and 70 odd yards per game. As long as Rob Gronkowski's playing, Tom Brady's fine. I don't think it matters yeah. if you or me or my mom lines up at receiver for the Patriots, as long as those two are playing together, they have a chance. Yeah, just like we were saying with Mac, Khalil Mack earlier, just the one-man wrecking crew, that's Gronk. I mean, he is 
it, just insane. He's insane. You cannot cover him. He's not even fast, but he is just, he's the crafty veteran. He knows, you know, the high point, the ball, he's six foot seven frame. He's in, he's got every intangible that you need in one per it. He's just full on beast. It's he's too much. He can't handle him. Linebackers can't handle him. Safeties can't handle him. Nobody wants to hit him or try to tackle him. I mean, he's just, he's so big the frame, you know, and yeah, Brady and Gronk together. You can just throw it up kind of like Randy Moss style, you know, he'll make the play. Pretty much, pretty much. The only thing that can stop him is injury. So uh, yep. as long as he stays healthy, I mean, I hate to say it, but should we just pencil in the Patriots for another Super Bowl shot? In that division. Absolutely. As long as they're in the AFC East, they, they've got the, <laughs> the ticket to ride there. Speaking of <clears throat> uh, the, or at least former Patriots, let's move on to uh, Jimmy GQ. Not uh, not so GQ today. Not so pretty anymore, is he? No, I mean, not against that Vikings, D. I feel like people just, they, they go to extremes. Either a guy is great or a guy sucks. There's no in-between and there's no patience uh, for many casual fans that actually watch these games. But Jimmy Garoppolo has 13 touchdowns to 8 picks in his career so far. I mean, he's not incredible. He's a guy that has intangibles. He's a guy that's going to be able to get the ball out quickly on target to his receivers, but he's not a guy, at least in my opinion, that's going to take over a game. And I think people didn't realize at that slate of games that he won at the end of last season were some of the worst defenses in the league at that time. Yeah. Yeah, and the, everybody, it's it's an instant reaction society i mean we get everything on the dime and now a lot of the decisions and outlooks go that same route and there is really no i mean fans fan is short for fanatic so last year jimmy g wins six games and he'll never lose again he'll never lose again (laughs) he's he's going undefeated he's he's the man he'll never lose again you got to put a concept of reality in an outlook you know you got to be realistic with that and you're right the last six games weren't anybody special you stack them up against a vikings defense now and look what happened he's gonna play the lions next week he's he should bounce back if the lions i who, that was a disaster monday night but um <laughs> he's he's gonna have a little long of a road to come back because then it's the chiefs then it's the chargers so he's gonna have some bumps there if he's really that good he's gonna make a name you know, probably within that Chiefs and Chargers game to me before he shows me something, I think. Yeah, but now he doesn't have Marquise Goodwin. I mean, no, yeah, if, that's yeah. This year? Like, honestly, if you're looking at it objectively, I, I say no. No, it's the Rams division. I think everybody else is a log jam at the, you know what I mean? With Seahawks, I'd say the Cardinals last. Unless they get hot and flip something, yeah, between I think, now and then, uh, but yeah, I think there's some dark days ahead for uh, San Francisco. I don't think they're they're dead and out and done, and that they won't be good. I think it's just going to take a little bit longer than everybody else thought. I mean, they came into the season as 
touted by by some as Super Bowl contenders, and I I think that's jumping the gun. Yeah, they've got to win the games they're supposed to win this year. The the division ones, you know, the Rams, and then you know any kind of top ranked team defensively that, that that's going to be their test weekend and week out for them i think but yeah if he can if he can show me something against some good defenses i'll come around a little more i don't think he's awful but if i have to start him or stream him it's only going to be in some games that i think are totally winnable for him i mean if he's facing you know a top ranked defense or something then i'll i probably wouldn't go after him yeah, he's he's not matchup proof. He's not there yet. People need to people need to be realistic with uh, with who Jimmy Garoppolo is and the weapons that he has. I'm not putting it all on him. That team right. isn't built to be a Super Bowl contending team yet. I think yeah. there's a pathway, but I think it's going to take some time, and it's going to take at least one or two more drafts. Now, on the other side of that card, we had the Minnesota Vikings. It was the return of Dalvin Cook. He looked good. Uh, he wasn't great. We didn't see, you know, too much out of him. But we saw a running back that looks to be fully recovered uh, from his past injuries. And we saw Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs people. Yeah, he I think he's going to be the real deal. He seems like it's Kirk Cousins go to guy now. Kirk Cousins, I'm starting to think that when he was in Washington for the last year, I think he was real hesitant on throwing the ball deep. I think he wanted to keep his stats up, accuracy looking good, and get that contract um, secured. Because now, I don't know, just from watching them through preseason and Diggs week one, I think that's his guy. Seems He seems a little more apt to let it rip. He could turn into a big, big number receiver this year, I think, for sure. As long as he can stay healthy. That's always been Stefan Diggs' problem. Um, talent... Uh... I think he's one of the top 10, one of the top 15 uh, receivers in the league. But, um, I mean, it goes back to availability. Uh, he seems to miss three games every season, at least. So yeah. until he can show me a full 16, I don't know if I'm going to uh, to rank him as highly as I would some of the other receivers. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go over to the rain delay game. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, this wasn't really a fun one to watch. Uh, we've kind of already gone over the, the Titans a bit. Um, Miami doesn't know what the heck they're doing with Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore. I feel like Adam Gase, I mean, they won the game, but why are you splitting touches so much between two guys that you know are obviously doing well, but I feel like Kenyon Drake has shown you that he deserves those touches. That said, Frank Gore had himself a game. But, uh, I mean, what, what can we expect out of both of these offenses moving forward? Yeah, Gase is – he's a head-scratcher to me as a coach. Some I don't know what his deal is as far as philosophy or moves he does. Even play calling sometimes, it, it leave you scratching your head. But even when they – before they got Gore in there, I mean, you figured it's the Drake show, right? I mean, he did more than enough to establish himself as the guy. And then they bring Gore in – well, what are you making a committee for now with this? You know, I, I don't know. I think um, offensively too, even the wide receivers, do they have like a wide receiver by committee going on or what? With <laughs> Wilson, Amendola, um, Stills, 
Parker. Like, I don't know who to pick fantasy wise. I I couldn't tell you. I stayed away from all of them well, until somebody you, plays out. It's it's Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills is the guy you want. And I'm not just saying that based on this last game with 100 yards and two TDs. Kenny Stills got 105 targets last year, and he was the wide receiver too. I think the team is done with uh, Devontae Parker, and I think, uh, think they so? even put that to the media. And if that's the case, then Kenny Stills is automatically just by default installed as the wide receiver one. And Ryan Tannehill seems to have his number. Uh, we, we saw some decent things out of Ryan Tannehill's return. I don't think the offense is going to be garbage this year. It's just this is another team that I see. Just hard to figure out. In, exactly. They're, they're, they're really in the worst position in sports, which is too good to be bad and too bad to be good. You know, they're, they're yeah. not they're not going to get that high draft pick. They're also not probably going to make the playoffs. So it's it's limbo and it's it's not a good position to be in as a sports team. You really either want those picks or you want to actually contend. Being mediocre is is not is not what you want. Yeah. Joe Mixon. Do you think he's going to be a dude this year? If he stays healthy, yes. I think he's. I think if he's healthy, he you could you could say he's arrived. The Ravens on this you know Thursday night coming up or is going to be a test for him. Yeah, I mean he looked good. Uh, that offensive line, that Cincinnati offensive line, that much maligned Cincinnati offensive line has actually made some improvements this year. Um, we saw him split out wide during the preseason. Uh, he seems to, to be catching passes. I think he's that full bell cow now. I don't know if uh, Gio Bernard is really going to get uh, the touches uh, that he got last year, which really pains me uh, because I drafted him, and I obviously now wasted a pick. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Cincinnati Bengals offense performs. Uh, Andy Dalton looked decent. A.J. Green did A.J. Green things, so... We'll see, but I, I kind of put them in the same boat as the Dolphins. It's a team that I don't see really being that good or that bad. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not super high on Mixon. I did grab him in one of my ESPN drafts for uh, Brandon Nickel on Twitter. Shout out. He was in my ear for Mixon. We had some little side bets going on, so I grabbed him. But I think I think he'll be all right. If the line gels and they come around, they put some, you know, players in there, draft picks. They come around, they get a run game established, and he stays healthy. I think he'll be all right. And they play the Browns twice a year. <laughs> of course, that's got to help. Although, you know, the Browns didn't lose this week, which I saw an awesome stat. <laughs> the zero zero and one start is the best I think for the Browns since. It was either 2000 or 2004. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. I can't. We, can the NFL just do away with ties? Are we, aren't we? are we there yet? <laughs> we really should be. We and really the NFL is like when you go to the store to buy anything and they say, oh, we don't accept credit cards. <laughs> and you're like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. No credit cards? No, I'm sorry. I mean, that's a tie. That's the equivalent of an NFL tie. Why are we still doing this? Come on. There's absolutely there's something. Come on, man. Yeah, that was I I saw that game getting close. And then when I saw the tie go up on the ticker, I just I looked at that and I said, of course, of course, it's a tie. <laughs> of course, it's a freaking tie. 
Like you gotta be kidding me. And even the Steelers, like, come on, Steelers. I'm a, I, nobody hates the Steelers more than me, but come on, man, Steelers, you got to put them away. You, you, you don't, they play down to their level. I think, I mean, I don't think the Browns are that good. I think they're improved, but I think that was a case of the Steelers playing down to their opponent when they should have been playing up. Connor had a great game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's, he ripped off a huge, huge performance. Um, but yeah, you got to put them away. They should have put them away. It's true. I mean, it's true. Uh, we'll we'll definitely see what happens uh, this season. But that's been an ongoing problem for the Steelers. I mean, they're always extremely talented. Uh, they've had one of the best offenses in the league for years now. Previously, they had a great defense. They probably have a better defense this year. But they play down to the level of their opponent, and they do this game in, game out. And I think that's a coaching issue. I think that's a Mike Tomlin issue. And I think that's something they need yeah. to out of this year. Because if he doesn't, uh, he's going to waste uh, – AB's prime. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is already on his back nine. AB, I think, probably still has a a good three, maybe four dominant years left. But um, they really got to get their act together because these guys are generational talents. You're not going to find another Antonio Brown anytime soon. You're not going to find really, I mean, James Conner obviously has shown that that's role in itself is, is, is worthwhile, but you're not going to find another Le'Veon Bell. You're not going to find another Ben Roethlisberger all at the same time, all in their prime ever again, really, at least in my opinion. It's going to be very, very difficult to find all that talent uh, to kind of come up together the same, the way that uh, the, the, the Steelers have, have kind of had it uh, for the last few years. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, we did uh, skip over the return of Andrew Luck. It was good to see him uh, back. I, I liked uh, some of the throwing velocity on his throws. I think uh, I think he's a bit back. I think it's going to be uh, difficult for him to uh, win a lot of games uh, this year just because I think the team around him uh, still needs some work. That offensive line that they spent uh, such high draft picks on still looks like it's a work in progress. Um, and I don't know about the receivers outside of T.Y. Hilton. Even he wasn't really that great. Um, I do like Eric Ebron, though. What do you think about Eric Ebron versus Jack Doyle? Who do you think uh, eventually is going to be the guy to own in that offense? I think it's going to be Jack Doyle, and I know the Ebron hype train is getting some steam, but I really think he'll fizzle out in the next couple weeks, and it'll go back to the Doyle show. I mean, Doyle is Lux's trusted target i mean he's more he's got the chemistry with him more so i think ebron's gonna be the one to give him the big plays time to time he'll have some monster games don't get me wrong but i think he'll fizzle the next couple weeks doyle will establish himself and he'll be the top tight end i've got doyle in in a league and i keep hearing it too like you got the wrong guy man it's ebron he's gonna be the stud in that offense but he hasn't done it in so long. He never did it with Detroit. I'm not a fan. I just, I'm not a believer in Ebron whatsoever. He, he's the flash in the pan, give you some good games and then he'll disappear on you for others. I had Doyle this week and he, I think he only got me like eight or nine points or something probably, but I think he'll come around. If you're, if you're a Doyle owner fantasy wise, he'll be, he'll be back on the mark. And I think the offense has got to get rolling with Andrew Luck. I mean, I'm, he's rusty. He hasn't played in forever. He's got to get warmed up and get get in the rhythm and get a few games under his belt before he settles in to, you know, see who he's throwing to, who his go-to guy is. But I think it'll be Doyle. 
Yeah, you know what? I I I really don't know. I'm right down the middle with this one. I have Ebron in a few leagues. I had him on the bench, and I cried a little bit because I started. Yeah. Uh, I started. Um, <clears throat> Evan Egram over him in, in a couple leagues, but you know, I, I smashed this, this league anyway. I, I had Tyreek Hill and Pat Mahomes and uh, I actually won both of my leagues with Chris Thompson on the bench. So I think I'll be okay. But, uh, but it was nice. nice seeing Eric Ebron catch that touchdown. I've had him for two years. I traded Demarius Thomas for him three years ago, which in retrospect was a terrible decision. But I feel like every single time I bench him, he does well. And then I get excited about him, and I put him in, and he lays a goose egg the next game. So I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the Ravens game. I'm going to let you start this one. Oh, yeah. It was the uh, pretty much a quarterback tryout for the, you know, <laughs> you can – you got a high school kid you like, you got a college kid, roll him out, man, see what he can do. But – that was, I think, as a Ravens fan, a lot of the fans are getting too hyped up. I mean, this is only one game against a bad Bills team that really didn't show up. I think the Ravens are better than they were last year. But it, it was honestly nice to see an offense, a resemblance of an offense come through. Each one of their free agent additions, Crabtree, Sneed, and Smokey Brown, all got a touchdown. They got in on the action. That was good to see. Flacco was throwing the ball deep. It wasn't just 50 checkdowns and a run for two yards. So if they can keep calling the right offense for him, I think they'll be fine. The test is Cincinnati this week because they don't do well in Cincinnati. For whatever reason, the Bengals have the Ravens number in Cincinnati. I don't know what it is. It's like a magic something when they fly in at the airport. If they win this game, I'll start believing a little bit more. I'm not a big believer in the Marty Morningwing offense, but if the line is healthy, I think you're going to see more of what you saw in that opener as far as the deep passes, making plays, run game. I don't know where Alex Collins went. Third quarter, I think it was. I know they pulled a lot of guys just because they had such a lead. Um, But yeah, Collins, he's a good runner. They got the line back and healthy. Marshall Yonda's back. So if they can get that run game set, they finally have a trio of receivers and not just one guy um, like they've had the past couple of years. It was Steve Smith for a while and pretty much Dennis Pitta. That was it. You know, now at least you've got Crabtree on one side. You've got John Brown as a deep threat. So if that chemistry develops with Flacco, he'll be better. He's got a fire under his ass now that Lamar Jackson's there. <laughs> so I think he's <laughs> he's looking to rebound and I think he can do it. I'm, I'm not a Joe Flacco hater. But I'm, I'm, I think he can turn it around. You know, I was of the opinion that uh, Lamar Jackson is likely to take over in 2019. But, you know, I really don't know anymore. He hasn't looked great. What do you think? Yeah, I don't – I think the expectations were just insane when they drafted him. They moved up to get him with the last pick in the first round as they had. And that's fine and all. But he's – I just don't think he's ready yet. He's close. I watched him the entire preseason, and he did gradually get better game to game you know, through four or I know they had five preseason games with the hall of fame game. He did get better each time out, which was a good sign. He didn't take huge steps, but little, little steps each week as an improvement. That's a good sign. I think he'll come around. He looks accurate when he wants to be, but he's got the yips and jitters when he comes in the game. Like he's so hyped up, he's got to calm down and settle in. So 
they rolled him out in a lot of packages with the Bills, a lot of end arounds, play action, fake end arounds, um, lining them up wide. So they're going to do some stuff with him, and the next few weeks will be very telling. You'll see some kind of red zone package with him. I, I guarantee it. There's going to be something, maybe Wildcat, that he's going to be in, but they've got to get him settled down <laughs> when he gets in the game because he's just too amped up, you know, and he's he's even said it himself. I think I don't think it'll be two, 2019 unless Flacco gets hurt, but for 2020, they got a huge choice to make on letting Flacco walk and letting Jackson be the guy. I could see it happening if they like what they see this year out of them, and it could definitely happen. Interesting. Interesting take. <clears throat> um, let's, uh, let's, let's go over to the uh, men versus boys uh, game, round two. We already saw the Bills get absolutely destroyed by uh, the Ravens. Man, Detroit looked bad. Like really, that was surprising. really, really bad. And I think the most concerning thing is their coach is a defensive coordinator. He was hired specifically to build up that defense so that Matt Stafford and, you know, the trio of Galladay and Tate and Jones could go out and dominate. And you know what? Nothing worked. And I don't think that this was that unexpected, honestly. Because I look at a few things. First of all, what is the track record of coaches that come out of Bill Belichick's system and go on to be head coaches in other cities? Do they? Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, Josh McDaniels. You're right. You're making my point for me, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They don't. They don't. They don't do well outside of that system. On top of that, you hire a defensive coordinator and then probably field one of the least talented defensive rosters in the league outside of Quandre Diggs, Darius Slay, and Ziggy Anza. Who else do you have on that team? I That's mean, it. there's no one else for him to, for Patricia to even scheme for. And I, I really thought it was a bad match to begin with. And again, you know, this is one game. And it's hard not to overreact to one game, but I think we're going to see it's it's going to be a tough year for Detroit this season, especially if Stafford plays as crappy as Stafford played. Oh, my God. That it was painful to see, and I'm not a Lions fan at all. Yeah, I was surprised. And like you were saying, Patricia comes in there to fortify that defense, and I, I honestly looked kind of looked at it a different way i mean of course that but looking at it the other way what better person to help stafford develop than a defensive coordinator hey this is what they're going to throw at you and here's how you can react you know what i mean so like a coaching perspective he could really coach him up and help him attack defenses much better than you know caldwell did or any of the other prior coaches that he's had from what Patricia ran in New England. So you'd think, hey, Stafford should take a step up and get even better. But yeah, that uh, to see them come out like that, I mean, that's like an old Thanksgiving game where they just come out and lay an egg. I couldn't believe it. That And the Jets, the Jets, the Jets. That's crazy. Yes, Jets, Jets, Jets. They made the Jets look like world beaters. <laughs> like they were, I, and the, I could, I'm speechless. I have no idea. I mean, I see plenty of the Lions 
following the Packers. I see them twice a year. And the, if the Packers aren't on, the Lions are always on TV. So I'll watch them. But yeah, to see them come out like that, that's insane. That that was terrible. They just they didn't show up at all, at all. And uh, looks like uh, we were talking about him earlier. Sam Darnold, he's he's a dude. He he might actually be a decent quarterback. I think he's. My issues with him coming out of college were the same issues as everyone had with him, uh, his turnovers. Uh, and, you know, that first play kind of made me go back to that tape and kind of cover my eyes a little bit. But after that, after the nerves kind of settled a little bit for him, he looked good. He looked solid. And Quincy Anunwa looks like uh, he is going to be really, really coveted. Uh, he's, he's a wide receiver one in that offense, in my opinion. Oh yeah. He's, I mean, he'll be your hottest waiver wire ad for sure this week. I've got a waiver in for him because I had, like we were talking earlier, I had Doug Baldwin. Um, so I'm cutting Baldwin out of there and my first claim is going for Quincy. I think he's seems to have the chemistry with Darnold. It seems to be his go-to guy. He's looking for him. Big receiver. I think he'll be the the sleeper of that Jets team for sure. And just as a, an added bonus, the all 22 army really quickly i just kind of want to make sure that uh, everyone understands this roby anderson scored a touchdown yesterday that touchdown was his only target of the game so if you're holding on to roby anderson you expect him to be what he was last year i don't know uh i think josh mccown is a guy that's a deep ball thrower i think they're trying to protect darnold from himself and i think he's going to go short and if he's going to go short it's going to be a new one I don't know if Roby Anderson's going to be nearly as valuable as he was last season. So I think uh, the time to actually sell him uh, is now, uh, if, if if that hasn't already passed you by. Yeah, yeah. Um, last, but not least, well, kind of least. I mean, I'm a Bronco fan. I hate the Raiders. But last, of course, we have the return of Chucky. What did you think about how both the Raiders and the Rams played? The Chucky effect. It's crazy, isn't it? It's like it, <laughs> he's not doing himself any favors with the stuff he's saying about Khalil Mack, not wanting to be there and trading them and doing all that. But coming out for that Rams game, Marshawn Lynch rips off that big run. And you almost got the feeling that Gruden was getting the best of Wade Phillips, didn't you, for a while? Like I did. Old, old Chucky like. is smart. He's he's an old dog, man. But that's what it looked like. Yeah, I don't. He's an emotional play caller, you know. So that game script coming out that looked really nice. Fifth, you know, first fifteen are scripted. It, it looked like he he put some time into that. But when you get in the flow of the game, he's an emotional play caller, and I think some of it you could see with. The shots he was taking downfield, Carr was taking downfield, and then a lot of just check down stuff to Jalen Richard, and then the game just kind of got away from the Rams. The Rams are tough, you know. They woke up and and held them down, but Gruden is going to surprise some people some weeks, and then other weeks he's going to leave you scratching your head, going, "What the hell is he doing?" You know. So he's he's a total up up and down coach in my opinion. It'll be interesting to see how it lays out the whole year. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch him, but man, Chucky is freaking facial expressions on the sideline, and he's just such a goofball. He's a character. He's not even like a real person. He's like just so animated, you know. It's so just watching him cracks me up. I don't know. It's 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 definitely gonna be fun to at least watch the Raiders 
uh, this year. I just hope they lose a lot again because yeah. <laughs> I think the Raiders. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just going to be fun to see a guy with a 10-year contract do whatever the heck he wants to do. Uh, I just want to see how long until uh, until patience wears thin um, in, in Las Vegas for that team. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> interesting. He's got five years, so he could probably – bust out of there in three and take the money and run, you know, if yeah. it goes, if it really goes south. We shall see. We shall see. On the other side of the coin, um, I, I I loved what the Rams did. The Rams did what the Rams did last year. Uh, last year, the Rams ran 11 personnel out onto the field 81% of the time, 22% higher than the next highest team. They're going to run with three receivers. They don't care about tight ends. They don't care about how you feel about tight ends. And they're just going to keep doing that. And you know why they do that? Because their wide receiver one is Cooper Cup. I don't (laughs) care that they paid Brandon Cooks all that money. I don't care. And the reason that I don't care is because I looked into it. Sean McVay is a play caller that has his systems function with two specific types of players opening his offense for him. Number one, he's a guy that wants to run the ball. And obviously, he has Todd Gurley. So, I mean, this is something I don't even need to talk about. That's something they're just going to be good at because of, of Gurley. Outside of that, in terms of passing, what Sean McVay does, what he did in Washington, he uses a speed receiver a la Brandon Cooks, as basically cornerback one fodder. He expects these guys to be on the outside. Brandon Cooks, we did see on some slants inside yesterday, but we, he expects these guys to have the threat of the safety, extra safety in the box, and that top cornerback removed. Cooper wow. Cup last season was... Bad. He was really, really bad when it came to press coverage. When he had off coverage, he was one of the most productive receivers in the league. He received, I believe, 23 red zone targets, which was top five in the league, best on the Rams by far. And he got a touchdown yesterday. And you know what? I expected it all because this is what Sean McVay does. He uses speed receivers to clear out and he feeds his possession guys. In Washington, the last four seasons that Sean McVay was offensive coordinator, person with the most targets on the team was the possession or the slot receiver. And I'm going to count, um, what's the TE over in Washington? What's the tight end over in Washington? I'm going to count Jordan Reed as a receiver in this specific instance because he primarily lined up in slot positions, which is what I call the possession position in uh, in Sean McVay's system. Expect Brandon Cooks to have good games. I'm not saying he's a bad player. But you can't expect that week in, week out. Because he is not the focus of that offense. McVay's going to want to run, and he's going to want to feed the middle of the field. So fire up that Cooper Cup all day. Go out and trade for him. Go out and beg for him. Honestly, I think he has an opportunity this season of being a top 15 wide receiver. 
And I don't think I'm being overambitious at all in saying that because he is going to get a million and a half red zone targets because that offense is good and he has the trust of Jared Goff on third down and in the red zone. Yeah, he feels like the Wes Welker, doesn't he, to him? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and last night when they were lining him up, um, it, he's the one that you can tinker with. You can put him in the slot, put him outside, end arounds, you name it. The guy's so fast. I mean, he's he's so tough to cover. He was one that I targeted this year for fantasy, and I got him in like two of my leagues. So yeah, you're right, man. I'm I'm putting him out there every chance I can as a flex guy for sure. Definitely. I, th- I think he's in every week play. I really yeah. do. Yeah, for a flex player, absolutely. If you got a guy on a bye week, absolutely. And even just playing matchups week to week, um, depending on your opponent, he's going to get a lot of looks in that offense and a, y- a lot of yards run after catch. So he's he's definitely I'm high on him as well. All right. So that is going to be our week wrap up for the games. Now quickly, uh, before we let the loyal members of the all 22 army go, let's run through a few of the hottest waiver wire ads uh, that they can make this week in anticipation of next week's slate of games. So I'm going to let you start. How many you want? (laughs) (laughs) Give me your top five. I, I would say my top five would be, Obviously, Tyler Lockett, who we talked about, or Brandon Marshall um, without Doug Baldwin. That ball's going somewhere. Uh, Packers, Geronimo Allison. Cobb is hot. He's got that. I know he's got that 75-yard touchdown fresh in everybody's mind. Cobb gets hurt. He will get hurt, and he will come back down to earth. Geronimo Allison is your pick. He's a big receiver, 6'3", on the outside opposite Devontae Adams. You saw him catch that dime in the end zone. I mean, I, I definitely say... He is a top ad for a wide receiver. Put him on your, you know, put him in the back end of your roster. He's going to come around. Um, Jared Cook, just on what I saw last night, why not? I mean, obviously Gruden was going to throw to the tight end. He's not afraid to. And Cook, he can get it done. He'd be a tight end, I'd add, because the tight end position is tough to find, to work with. I mean, we just lost Delaney Walker and Craig Holson in the same week. So the pickings get quite thin on that tight end list. Um, Jared Cook would be one to, to grab. I told you earlier, Quincy and Enua or Enua. I definitely like him in New York. Those would be my top five for sure. That was five, wasn't it? My math is <laughs> my no, head here. <laughs> yeah, those my top waiver wire ad is actually, uh, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everyone you've mentioned. I, Quincy Nunez is definitely the, the number one waiver wire ad uh, for me. Uh, I just really think he has a good opportunity to see a lot of targets on offense. Um, but Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay of the Denver Broncos surprised the heck out of me. Um, he looks like Chris Thompson. Um, and Chris Thompson is, as you've seen, as we saw this past week, he's a beast. Uh, some people don't really, statistical models can't, uh, can't predict what they'll actually do. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Tyreek Hill, these types of players don't try and, and, and fit them into normal statistical models. It just doesn't work. Um, if you give these guys touches, they will produce at an efficiency rate that you cannot predict. So I, I really think Philip Lindsay is going to have a, a good role in this offense. 
uh, Royce Freeman, I, I don't think he's any less valuable. I think Royce Freeman is exactly who we thought he was, which is a grinder. It's going to be able to get you those tough yards. It's going to be able to do his best uh, Marshawn Lynch impression and, and get you those hard yards uh, on power runs. But uh, I expect Philip Lindsay to uh, be that Danny Woodhead, uh, Chris Thompson type of player and to definitely uh, prove valuable. Uh, he's definitely a, a solid pickup in uh, Dynasty League specifically. Um, outside of that, uh, Tyler Lockett uh, would be, again, who I would go with. Um, I don't think he's an amazing receiver, but uh, I, I do remember his rookie season. A lot of people forgot uh, that Tyler Lockett, I think, actually scored six touchdowns in the rookie season and was at one point uh, compared to guys like Antonio Brown. Now, I don't think that that is a fair comparison at this point. I think we've seen enough to say that maybe uh, analysts at that point were jumping the gun, but I think Tyler Lockett, especially with Doug Baldwin out, is again going to be in line for tons and tons and tons of targets because Seattle is going to need to pass and stay in games because I don't know if that defense is the same defense that we've seen uh, from years past. I don't know if I believe in Will Disley. I know he had 100-odd yards. Um I don't know if that's going to be a, a weekly type of thing. I think uh, Will Disley might have played his best game, so I wouldn't run out to the waiver to spend all of my fab on him just yet. Uh, but I do uh, think that uh, Austin Eckler will be a guy that is worth that money uh, in the long run. I think we've seen that he's definitely going to be part of that offense and that Chargers offense specifically uh, has previously shown you that they have no qualms with uh, having a solid running back and still uh, making good use of that scat back position. Uh, Johnny Smith to cover up for Delaney Walker should be a decent ad. Uh, we've also got Ian Thomas to cover up for Greg Olson. Um, we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't go out and spend all my money on those two, but, I mean, if you need a tight end, as uh, as we were saying just a minute ago, tight end is a really, really hard position to, feel, to, to fill. So, uh, I got one last quick game for you before we go. At the beginning of the show, I did use a cadence. I'll be using a cadence every week. This is also for you, the All-22 Army. If you can guess that cadence, go ahead and let us know on Twitter. So I'm going to say it one more time, and I want you to guess whose cadence this is. Crazy! Crazy stuff! Who do you think that is? I'm going Flacco. That is Green 18. That's Aaron Rodgers. So Our famous one-legged quarterback. <laughs> Our famous one-legged quarterback. Damn. And, uh, I'll, I'll be doing a bunch of these. So uh, just kind of listen up this week when you kind of hear the quarterbacks calling out their signals. I'll, I'll be pulling ones that I find the most interesting from week to week. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We really, really appreciate all the love and support. Big time. Uh, Big time. Be Aton Mosia. Again, you can follow, follow me on Twitter at FF underscore Wonder Kid. Signing out. Frank, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at the FFL Wire. Thanks for downloading this episode. And stay tuned. We got a lot more good stuff coming. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being part of the All 22 Army. See you guys on the next one. Peace.